The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the days for Jesus' being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there. They would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. As they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead. But you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at, at home. To him Jesus said, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just this past week, out of the clear blue, an old friend from high school called, said he was in the area and would like to get together. I hadn't seen him for 35 years, so I said, yeah, it'd be great. So we were together in a high school seminary in Toledo, Ohio. We were 65 students, and we were all uh, considering the priesthood, I obviously, continued on that path. He did not. He got his doctorate degree in Spanish and has been teaching ever since down in Texas. But when we got together, he stayed the night at our rectory here and we just got caught up in reminiscing and catching up to where each other's been. And we laughed most of the night away. And one of the things we both said we were grateful for that we studied high school in a seminary was that we never had to attend a prom. <laughs> and the reason we were grateful for that was because both of us were a little socially awkward and certainly would not have been 
looked at as a high school heartthrob. And we were always afraid if we asked a girl to go with us, she'd say no. And of course, since it was a seminary, we were never encouraged to date anyway. So it was better not having the experience at all, rather than feeling rejected. Think about rejection. The very word is harsh. It's an ugly word. And I think we'd admit rejection is one of life's most painful experiences, and we all try to avoid it because we take it so personally and we use it to unfortunately determine our worth or lack thereof. Nonetheless, we all get rejected at some time or another as much as we try to avoid it. Even Jesus got rejected. And you might ask, why? Why would anyone reject Jesus? And yet today's gospel gives us a scene precisely of that. We heard that at this point in his ministry, Jesus is, they said, resolutely determined to go to Jerusalem. He knows that there in the holy city, he will offer his life in witness to his message. And if that weren't horrible enough, the route he chooses to get there is through a Samaritan area. And as we know from other places in the gospel, the Samaritans and the Jews were bitter enemies. Over a thousand years, there was this animosity between them because of religious or civil conflicts. And you'd have to wonder, why did Jesus choose a different route, a different way to get there? Maybe he wanted to go that route. Maybe he wanted to teach his disciples something about rejection. So he sends two of the disciples ahead to prepare the place. And as we heard, they were told they were not welcome. They were rejected, doors slammed in their face. And we can't help but hearken back to the earlier moment in the gospel, even before Jesus was born, when he was still being carried in the womb of his mother. Remember the story, no room at the inn. So rejection has come to meet him before. So how did Jesus respond? First, we want to take note of how the disciples responded. James and John, they wanted to call down thunder and lightning. They wanted to have that whole village consumed. Bit of an overreaction to a door getting slammed in your face, but they wanted to retaliate. And I don't want to get too righteous in condemning them for doing that because I don't know if we would have done anything differently. You know? When we get hurt, we want the offending party to be hurt. We want them to experience the same kind of pain that they have inflicted on us. That's the nature of retaliation. And that's what James and John wanted to do. But Jesus took a different approach. 
Jesus' response was one of transforming love. In other places in the gospel, when he encounters rejection, he tells them to, to leave the town, shake the dust from their feet, move on. And that's exactly what they do here. He says, move on. No punishment. Because I believe Jesus realizes that violence creates violence, or can if we let it. And this cycle starts to emerge that keeps spiraling down to a point where there are no winners. Everyone loses in that context. So the greater lesson Jesus wants these disciples and us to learn is that just because we are angry or hurt over something doesn't mean God is. In other words, God is not the enemy of my enemy. The path of God is always reconciliation. It's always love. So that enemies can be healed. They can become allies and friends. Because in the end, that's the only way the world will ever become the kind of world that God intended it to be. A world in which divine love gets unleashed. I want to go back to high school here for a moment. The Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, that was uh, in my freshman year in high school. Of course, you know that's the decision that legalized abortion in our country. And in the seminary, like Catholics everywhere, we were horrified that that would have come. And so every year, our high school students went downtown Toledo to the abortion clinic. And we would stand there with candles and give a silent witness to the dignity of human life. This one particular year, one of our classmates, however, brought a red powdered jello. And in the snow, remember this is January 22nd, in the snow he wrote, murderers. So the nurse in the clinic saw that and was enraged. She came out and started to reprimand the priest who was with us. And he didn't help to de-escalate the hostility by calling her a murderess. He reiterated the message. She responded by slapping him in the face. So it struck me profoundly how violence begets violence. Whatever form it takes, violence begets violence. And then those were those same years when supposedly pro-life people were blowing up abortion clinics. And recently now, thankfully, that the Roe versus Wade decision has been repealed, we have pro-choice people defacing church property. So see, the violence just keeps perpetuating itself. 
The lesson Jesus, I think, is calling us to learn is this. The only way out of violence is the path he laid out for us, the path of forgiveness and the path of love. And I think we would all have to admit that we have our own Samarias in our lives, that is, places or people that we don't like, that we might prefer to exclude or even call fire down upon. But as far as Jesus is concerned, the only fire we are welcome to call down on anyone is the fire of divine love. Nothing less is worthy of his followers.